I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. It's the start of a new year with a heavy spring workload ahead. Labour researcher Marion Beecher has insights and tips on how to best cope with the busy months ahead. And I started by asking Marion about the survey completed after the spring of 2018. So the weather challenges um, last spring combined with the workload associated with compact calving resulted in increased stress and workload for farmers and their employees. Um, And in some cases, this increased stress and workload was compounded by inadequate facilities and limited experiences of large scale farming. So to understand the scale and depth of the issues faced by farmers last spring, um, we conducted a survey of 350 um, farmers that were members of dairy discussion groups. And what are the main findings of this research? Yeah, so we found that on average those farmers had an average 160 cows, which would be larger than the African national average, which is about 75 cows. But broadly speaking, the results can still be transferred across. Yeah, I suppose they're reflective of each farm, not just, say, the, the, the larger scale farms. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So we found that the main challenges that spring, last spring, were um, obviously enough weather and feed issues, which we would have expected due to the the weather conditions, etc., and also the workload and people um, and calf rearing. So I think the message for me is that if you take out those two um, probably weather-related ones in terms of feed and weather, then naturally workload and people and actually calf rearing are probably ones that can be um, problems or issues that will occur every year. And I suppose, yeah, as you say, we can nearly park the weather thing. We can't control it and feed. Maybe it's going to be an issue this spring. Hopefully the weather will come right and we'll be able to get cows out early. But if we turn our attention to workload and just the people, what what sort of numbers had you working on average on these farms? Okay, so on average on these farms, there was, in addition to the farmer, there were two other people working on the fine farm, sorry, um, comprising of one family member um, and then a mixture then of either full-time employees, part-time employees or students. And I suppose the question really is, depending on what they're doing on these farms, is that enough? You know, like some people are doing all the tractor work themselves, as well as milking, calving, calf rearing. So, I, you know, people need to look at these tasks in terms of what they're doing. If we turn our attention to calf rearing, that's very labour intensive. Um, I suppose, do have farmers quantified how long it takes in the day? So the, the calf rearing accounts for, um, in the seasonal basis, the second most intensive job on the farm. Um, and on our study, we would have found that survey by the farmers reviewing the, their spring 2018 would have found that once a day calf rearing was one, was one technique that they were using in order to reduce the workload. Um, other farmers were, were using, they said that having an automatic calf feeder was a great help. Um, and then when we asked the farmers what changes that they were planning on um, as a result of spring 2018, a lot of them were saying that they were going to either do more once a day feeding of calves um, and practicing it a bit earlier. Um, but I suppose we should know that technically speaking, we shouldn't be practicing that on calves younger than three weeks old. Um, in order to allow their rumen to develop. I suppose Emer Kennedy would have highlighted that last year, that, that they need to be three weeks in terms of to have the capacity to hold all the milk. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I suppose another thing to acknowledge in terms of calf rearing, a lot of people would have expanded but mightn't have actually upgraded the calf rearing facilities. So there can be huge pressure on the system um, at that time of year um, and it, it doesn't make for you know a happy workplace You know, if there's a breakout of an illness or anything. Yeah, 
Um, so like, just to, to pick up on that point, I mean, Louise, we, we would have asked farmers to self-assess their facilities on farm in terms of calving, calf rearing and slurry storage. Um, on average, they would have they were deemed to be adequate by 73% of farmers. Um, but having said that, one third of farmers or 34% of farmers were still planning on investing in their facilities um, ranging from calf, calf um, sheds to, to parlours to, to roadways, etc. Um, as a result of, of spring 2018. Now, whether or not that's happened with the, the summer that we've had, the past last summer that we've had in terms of drought and extra pressures in terms of bringing in feed, but I suppose it was just interesting to note that one third were planning on making um, changes to their facilities. And I suppose if we just follow on then from the survey, um, I suppose what you've learned from that and your experience working in the in the labour sector uh, in Chagas, what are the main practices that farmers should implement during the springtime um, to reduce workloads? So you've mentioned once a day calf feeding from three weeks of age, but what are the other practices that you'd highlight? So what's the other ones are um, would be definitely once a day milking for a month in February, um, if at all possible. Um, the other ones might seem simple and a lot of farmers are doing them, but I suppose it's no harm in re-emphasising the idea of getting um, slurry contracted out and fertiliser, even if it's the first round in, in January or whenever, just to get that blanket spread and just out of the way. Like a few other farmers would be, in the study that we found, would be using nighttime feeding to promote daytime calving. Um, so that was done by uh, about 34%. Again, a third of farmers were, were using that practice to, to reduce um, workload as well and I suppose look the other thing which is not necessarily practice but it's something that can be done in the in the dry period would be to actually make a plan and make a checklist and prepare for the spring so for me the, the, the survey that we did was all about reviewing spring 2018 I would I think most farmers are should look at their own spring 2018 and see how that went for them and what changes they would make a result as a result I know Certain things like infrastructure mightn't be possible at this late stage, but there might be other small things in terms of practices or changes that they can implement in order to make spring 19 um, easier and, and more manageable. Just to pick up on that, in terms of the once-a-day milking, a lot of dairy farmers are very adverse to once-a-day milking in, say, the, the month of February, but there are huge benefits in terms of... Um, the cows are typically in better body condition score when it comes around to breeding time. And I suppose as well as that, when you look at overall milk production across the entire lactation, you know, it only accounts for maybe, you know, 3%. So, you know, it's not making a major impact in terms of the farm income. If we look then to night feeding, you mentioned a third of farmers um, on your survey were feeding at night time. What are the impacts and implications for that? So I suppose the, the idea is that you wouldn't practice this about um, 10 to 12, 12 days before the cows are due to calf. Um, and the idea, the principle is that you restrict their feed during the, the daytime um, and you would give their feed um, at nighttime. Now it is dependent on having adequate feed space. So the idea would be that you would, um, and it's very important I suppose, that you would restrict and give feed at ad libitum at the same set intervals. So you could go with, um, say, feeding from 8 p.m. until 6 a.m. Um, and then restrict the cows from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. But I suppose the important thing is that you restrict and um, give the feed at the same same intervals. Um, and I think it's about 13% of a reduction in nighttime calvings that you would get with, with that restricted feed. 
during yeah, the day. I, and I think the, the figure was that, say, if you had 25 cows calving at night time, it would be, you know, you're talking 10 to 15 percent. So it's taking, you know, a nice strain off um, nighttime calvings on farms. Um, you mentioned then putting a plan in place and a checklist, um, you know, prior to the start of calving. And I suppose there's lots of things like, you know, jobs that farmers can do you know, in the month of January that will take the pressure off in February? Like, what are such jobs in, in your mind? Yeah, so I would break it down into the, to the different areas. So, like, you'd have the areas in terms of the milking parlour. So, little things like getting that service, getting the liners changed, you know, stocking up on teeth dip, um, sprays, markers, and having them all in the in the pit in the area where you need them. Um, then, I suppose, the in terms of the calf shed. So, you know, ordering your tags in time, um, washing, disinfecting, bedding pins, so they're ready to go. Um, having ideally, you should have a fridge or a freezer in the in the calf shed so that you can store um, colostrum. And then in terms of the calving area, so like preparing a little calving kit. So in terms of having you know a jack, ropes, lubricant, gloves, all near the the calving area, so that if there is a difficult calving, you can just reach that. And just make sure basically that you know all your your equipment is in good working order. That you know if you that your headlock gate is is in oiled up and in good working condition that if there's anything broken fixing it in terms you know even in the paddocks and grazing that all your fences are well maintained so that you know when spring comes and those cows are ready to go out that you've got a good stock proof fence and you can let those cows out and and just to follow on you know in terms of the fencing an interesting thing Matt Ryan mentioned he saw in Scotland was they had their spring rotation planner so they kind of had a fair idea of the number of cows that would be calving and the area they'd graze so they actually had the temporary fencing up for say the first maybe 10 15 days of the of the grazing season and that would take a huge pressure off because maybe that job would take 30 minutes every day um so you know it's it's a slight saving i suppose finally then to wrap up marion your top three tips for heading into this the calving of 2019 so the top three tips would be firstly to have a plan um, so to, to prepare that checklist of jobs that you can do well in advance um, and to make sure that you can do as much of the work uh, during the dry period when you can. Um, secondly would be that if you do need to hire staff, to hire the staff um, in as well in advance as, as you can. Um, and thirdly then would be to, to look at practices that don't necessarily cost money but that can actually save you time such as the, the once a day calf rearing, the once a day milking um, and using the contractor to reduce your workload. That's great, thank you Marion. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Marion Beecher for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.